The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. We're in the midst of a series. In fact, this is going to be the last one of the series, Holy Spirit Highlights. And over the last few weeks, you've had Yomi talking about God's will. You've had William talking about sacrifice and cleaning the ashes from the altars of our hearts. And you had Kevin last week talking about God's Word. So now it's my turn to talk about Holy Spirit highlights. And it's all very well having a subject like that. Holy Spirit highlights. What has the Holy Spirit been highlighting to you? And you think, you know, I've been thinking about it for some time. But when it comes to the point, you think, "Ah, what is the Holy Spirit highlighting to me? And, uh, well, there's a number of things. And I decided that to call this message or entitle this message, Have Faith in God. Have Faith in God. And I know as Christians, you could say, well, that's rather obvious for us to have faith in God. That's exactly what we should be having. We want to have faith in the God that we serve, in the God that we come to worship. Uh, but it's a bit obvious. So how do we really talk about that? Well, I hope in what I do talk about this morning that I unfold a little bit of that And uh, we come to a greater understanding of what it means for us to have faith in God and why we need to have faith in God. You heard from Yomi that next Sunday is a special Sunday. And it is a special Sunday because we should be saying goodbye to William and Claire and the family. And uh, it's not just that they've been amongst us and have been part of us. It's that they have sown into this church. And we really want to be able to pray for them and bless them as they leave us next week. So... uh, We want to be here, so if you can be here to say your goodbyes to them, that would be great. They're moving off to Mortimer West End uh, to help lead a church there, and uh, that in itself is a daunting task. So whilst they're having to pack home, which is a daunting task, as if if you've ever moved home, you'll know, uh, moving to a new job, a new situation, that is also daunting for them. And uh, we want to pray for them. But it's also uh, a change for us from the point of view that obviously William, who's been working here, not being here, that's going to be different from us. And I'm sure that many of you will be thinking, well, if William's going, surely that's going to leave a gap here in the church. And the answer to that is quite simply, yes, it does leave a gap here in the church. And uh, that's not something that's come as a sudden surprise to us because I've known for some time, uh, over a year, of the fact that William would be moving on. And uh, so we've been making plans. We've been making plans for some time. Those plans started in earnest back in November last year. And we've been working on that. And as it came to the spring of this year, then we were working through those plans. And uh, Yomi and Kevin, uh, my fellow elders, I've been particularly working with them on this. We've been meeting and we've been praying. And uh, we believe that God has, has really been working on things and in actual fact, uh, just before the week, just before I was due to go on holiday, uh, we were preparing an email to send to all of you to announce that, yes, William is actually moving on, and this will be the last Sunday that he's going to be with us. And these are the changes that we're going to be making and that's going to happen. And there's a real season of change and excitement. And uh, the plans that we had made literally came to a halt two days before I went away on holiday. So suddenly, what seemed to be like a year's work of work um, suddenly came to a halt. 
And so we couldn't send you the email uh, making the changes because there were no changes to be announced. Everything had come to a grinding halt. And I don't know whether I was glad to be going away on holiday at that point or not, really. I mean, you know, when you, <laughs> you suddenly think like, ah, oh, everything that we've been working to has just suddenly fallen apart. Well, okay, I need to escape. On the other hand, you think like, everything has just fallen apart. What the heck are we going to do? I need to be here and sort this out and, and see what we can do. But anyway, uh, holiday was there and so... Helen and I went away for a break. It certainly was a break and a change of uh, environment and climate as well, which is good. But I can say to you, what had just happened, I really wasn't expecting that. I had to come back and tell Kevin and Yomi. Uh, I said, told them straight away. I came into the office. I spoke to Margaret and a few others. And it was a bit like, what? There's a sort of silence. <laughs> because it's like everybody's thinking like, what? And that's how I felt. I just felt like, oh my goodness. But then, you know, you have to come to a point where you say, God, you are in control. And you know what it's like when you're saying it to somebody else? You know, like somebody may come to me and they say, I've got this problem. Jonathan, you know, have you got any words of wisdom? No, I haven't, but I'll tell this to you anyway. And we say something to them. We say, but look, God is in control. He's going to bless you. He's going to help you. And when it's for others, then you can have a surety that God is going to help them. But when it comes down to affect your world and all the thoughts you're dealing with, then it's, well, it takes it to reality, doesn't it? That's the truth. It takes it to reality. So we're in a place of saying like, well, God, we do believe that you are good. We believe that you are in control. And then in my own private prayers, I think, God, what the heck are you playing at? What's going on? And there are many questions that come up out of our hearts. And I mean, I'm talking about situations affecting me personally or us as a church, but I know there are situations that face your own lives. And some of these questions come up, you say like, God, what are you playing at? Why has this happened to me? What is all this about? I don't understand. Have I been really that bad? And you're investigating your life and you're thinking, you know, am I walking? No, no. We're, we're, we're seeking to walk with God. We're seeking to do the things of God. And yet these, still, these experiences are happening to us. So what is going on? In one sense, for me, it feels like the heavens are like brass. God, are you there? And the prayer goes up. And it sort of bounces off the ceiling and comes back. Have you known those situations? Because sometimes when, it, when the going gets tough, it is tough and it feels tough. So sometimes, and recently, the heavens have felt a bit hard, as it were. But a scripture came to my mind, and this was the scripture, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Now, that's a scripture that I've known for many years, but it came back to my mind afresh. And it's sort of like, you know, this is truth. This is what you need to do. But you know what the heart says? It says like, yeah, but that's, uh, I don't fancy doing that. Suddenly, it seems like you've got a mountain to climb. Suddenly, it seems like the road ahead is getting steep, and it's, it's more difficult but this is what God says. He says to us, listen, trust, trust in me. And he really comes to us and says, listen, you need to trust in me with everything you are, with all that you have, with every situation you're facing. You need to trust in me. 
And he knows the tendency of our hearts. Because he says, and lean not. That's like, don't find support in your own self. Don't find support in your usual ways of running to. And, And we do run to things for comfort and ease. I could mention a number of things here that are things that people run to. Because we're human beings and we, we, we're finding life difficult and at times life seems to have, have dropped away and we're looking for support. We're looking for something to hold us up. God says, I want you to trust in me. I want you to put your faith in me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean upon what you think is right. Don't rest upon your own laurels, as it were, your own way of thinking. But come to me, lean upon me, And in fact, in all of your ways, I want you to submit to me and I will make sure that the pathway that you're walking on is a straight one. He has declared it. We have to follow it. So, okay, Lord, that's what you're saying. But it's not so easy, is it? It's a challenge for us to do that. He says to us simply trust, trust and obey. That's really all that we need to do. Easy to say, rather more difficult to live out. So what has the Holy Spirit been highlighting? There's a situation that we're working through that has come up. What has the Holy Spirit been highlighting? The Holy Spirit is highlighting that we need to trust in God wholeheartedly and not to lean on our own understanding, not to focus back on our own way of thinking. So last week I was reading through two Chronicles, and uh, that just happens to be where I was in the Scripture. And I'm reading this through on a daily basis, looking at uh, various of the chapters. And there's some examples that come out of that that are talking into the situation that we're facing. So I say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're highlighting these examples. Let's have a look at what you're highlighting. And I'm reading there of King Asa of Judah. King Asa, he became king when his father, Abijah, died. And this is what the writer of the Chronicles said about him. 2 Chronicles 14, verse 2. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. And I don't know, if you've read through Kings or if you've read through Chronicles, you will see there that you you get a a picture of the kings of Judah and of Israel. Certainly you do in Kings, it's Judah and Israel. In Chronicles, you get get told about just the kings of Judah. And you get told whether they've been a good king or a bad king, whether they're following the ways of the Lord or whether they're doing their own thing, they're going their own way. But it says of Asa that he did what was right and good in the eyes of the Lord. In actual fact, in verses 3 to 5, it says, He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and the incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. Now, whether you understand everything about breaking down altars and Asherah poles, basically those are the places where the people would go to sacrifice and to worship foreign gods, idols, demonic spirits, if you like. So what you see this king is, he's he's actually saying, look, we're not going to have the worship of anything else. God is going to be worshipped. We're bringing the centrality of God into the nation because we believe that God is good. We believe that God can help us. He's helped us in the past, and we're going to follow his ways and do what he wants. That is the example of King Asa. So we can see that he's leading the nation 
in a godly way. But as you read on in the chapter, you find that one day, it says one day, Zerah the Cushite, that is actually a man from Ethiopia, Zerah the Ethiopian, if you like, marched out against Asa with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots. Now, it said of Asa and Judah that Asa had 300,000 troops and the tribe of Benjamin had 280,000 further troops. So it's not as though Asa didn't have a sizable army, nearly half a million men. But there was an army that was far greater, far greater. The situation that was facing this good king was overwhelming. You know, like when you say, I've got this much, but... Against that, how am I going to cope? That was the situation that Asa found himself in. And I'm sure Asa thought, what did I do wrong? What's going on? Why why is this happening to me? What, What am I supposed to do in this situation? Why has God allowed this? This isn't fair. I'm sure as king, as a human being, as a person facing a traumatic, difficult situation... Those are the sort of questions that he would have asked. And I'm quite sure those are the sorts of questions that many of you in this room have asked of God when seemingly you who are living your life, just going about ordinary things, just trying to do the right thing, trying to go to church, trying to be faithful to God, trying to do what he has asked you to do, and yet suddenly stuff comes against you that you think, what on earth is happening here? What am I supposed to do? Is this my fault? What have I done? Why is this happening to me? Because this isn't fair. Why has God allowed this? Those are the sorts of questions that rises up. But despite challenges, God wants us as his people to come to him. No matter what is going on, God is looking for us to come to him and to trust in who he is. That is having faith in God. That is what it is. We're being asked to put our trust in him. We're being asked, despite all this noise, despite all of the stuff, we're asked to put our trust in him. And what God is saying is, don't just trust in me. Don't even think about the other thing. Don't even try to work it out. Hold on. Hold on to me. Well, Asa, this was the response that Asa had to this situation. 2 Chronicles 14, verse 11. Then it says, Then Asa called to the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. So Asa was coming, and he's saying, Lord, we're trusting in you. We're trusting in you. You are the one who can deliver us. You are the one who can help us. You are the one who is over us. Don't let these mere people uh, uh, prevail against you. Come and help us. And it says in Chronicles 14, 12, that, that the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah, and the Cushites fled. Then Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. The Cushites fell and could not recover, for they were crushed before the Lord and his army. So the people of Judah carried off a great amount of plunder. Well, great. Asa had that situation. Asa turned to God, and it was okay. And we saw that God came through in the end. 
There's an encouragement in that. And then as I read on, you not only read about Asa, but you come to the story of King Jehoshaphat of Judah. So in Chronicles 7, uh, 2 Chronicles 17, we read like this, verses 3 and 4. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. Here again is a godly king. But in verses 1 to 3 of Chronicles 20, it says this, The Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already at Hazizon Tamar, that is En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So again, Jehoshaphat is following the ways of God. He's just going through his ordinary life, whatever life as a king is, having a feast every now and again, doing a bit of work, you know, that sort of thing. That's the life of a king, surely. And uh, Jehoshaphat is going about things. He's seeking to lead the nation in a godly way. And yet, suddenly he is told, oh my goodness, there's this vast army that is coming against you. Now, as king, people look to you, what are you supposed to do? What are we going to do? How do we get out of this? What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to our families, our, our, our cattle? What, what's happening to our livelihoods? What is going to happen, king? And there's this overwhelming pressure that comes upon the king, and all he can do is to say, like, well, we're outnumbered. God, God, please, will you help us? And in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 6 to 12, we actually read there of a prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed. This is what he said. O Lord, God of our fathers, you, are you not the God who is in heaven? Are you not the God who is in heaven? Aren't you God? That's what he said. Aren't you God? And do you not rule over all the nation, kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in the land and have built it, in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, whether sword or judgment, plague or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you. For your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. So he's saying like, God, remember everything that has gone past. Remember that you are in good. Remember that we've built this temple. Remember that we are following you. Remember that you are here. Remember that, oh God. And then he says, and now there are men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us up out of, our, out of the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? And listen to this, what he says. For we are powerless before this vast army that comes against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And you know what? I, 
I read that and I find it, I find it encouraging. Here's a guy just being honest. They've done everything. It's like saying, God, you are God in heaven. You are above all. You are the one who rules over all. But something's just happened in our lives. And you know that something can be an upset in relationships. It can be an upset from the point of view we can lose somebody. We can lose a job. It can be an accident. It can be all sorts of different things. Because things happen in life. And you know what? We were going along so well. We were following God. We were doing all the right things. And suddenly stuff has come in against us. And you could say, we're good people, but bad things have been happening to us. God, don't you care? But God says, yes, I care. He cares for us all the time. But it's interesting for me to see these situations. This sort of stuff doesn't just happen to you. It happens to the people of God. It happens to lots of people. And God allows these things to happen. He allowed it and he's written it in his word that it even happened to kings of Israel. That they were going about their ordinary business, but stuff came in against them. Even to the point where the king Jehoshaphat says, we are powerless. That's it. We don't know what to do. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. In fact, the only thing that we can do is trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. That's all we can do. But that's what we've been called to do. And that's what God looks at and wants us to be faithful in. Now, again, I won't go into the whole story, but God answered them. There was a prophetic word that came among the people, and they said, listen, this battle is not yours, it's God's. And you know what? That's true for every one of us. The battles that we think we're facing, we think it's all up to us. How have I got to solve this? How can I sort this out? And you know what? Often, when there's real difficulties, we haven't got a clue how to sort it out. Why? Because God's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. The Christian life is not a life where you find Jesus, get salvation, and get on with your life. That is not the Christian life. The Christian life is when we realize that we have sinned against Almighty God. And we need to find forgiveness for our sins. And we need to come back to live life His way, how He created us to live. So that from that point onwards, our lives are surrendered to him so that we may follow his will and his ways and that our lives can become a living testimony to what he has done and is doing in his people. He wants us to live for him regardless of the situations. That's why he says, trust in me. You see, he says in the word... I know the plans I have for you, and those plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. But when we have difficulties, the first thing we say, are you sure? You've said this. You're not holding on to your word. Can you be trusted? God is faithful. In fact, God is holy. You know what we say, God is holy? Do you know what we're meaning? There is no shadow of turning in him. There is no sin in him. He is the absolute, upright, holy God. He does not change. He remains steadfast. 
he is holy and he's looking for us, his people, to put his trust in him. Now, I'm telling you this story. I'm telling you, look, these are the things that the Holy Spirit is highlighting. I can't say to you, I'm at the end of the battle where it was for Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat came, when he came to the armies that were coming against him, they had actually started slaughtering themselves. And the, uh, the uh, people of Judah just merely went in and took the goods because all the people had been killed and were running away. But I haven't got to that part in my story yet. And maybe you haven't got to that part in your story. So in the meantime, because this is the pain is in the meantime. The pain is in the waiting. The faith is exercised in the waiting. The trust is extended in the waiting. When the answer comes, hey, that's it, we're into a new realm. But until the answer comes, we have to have faith in God. Put our trust in Him. Put our faith in Him. Walk with Him. This is a living reality. And this is a day-by-day experience. And you know what? You can have good days and you can have bad days. But these are the experiences God wants to bring us through. So let me just say, what, what can we learn in these situations? I think we can learn these things. We can learn that we are not in control. Now, that's a lesson that I do not like to learn and I'm sure you don't like to learn. It's a lesson that sometimes we don't even think about whether we've got to learn, but it is a lesson that we do need to learn, and it's a lesson of truth. Overall is God. He is almighty God. We are his creation. He is an uncreated one, and he is the one who is far above us, more powerful, infinitely more powerful than we are, and therefore our lives are to be surrendered. We come under him. But a lot of our lives are spent in this battle of where we're trying to fight against him. God, I think this is what you need to do. By the way, you know, and our prayer lives can reflect that. God, I need this, I need that. Can you sort this out? I'm having trouble with that. He said, Lord, you are God. You are God. I surrender to you. I come under your authority. Your rule. What your ways I'm going to choose to submit to them. I can praise you, even though the circumstances is not good or not to my liking, I can praise you because you remain in control. You are over all. You are worthy of adoration and praise. God is in control, not us. And our job is to learn how to surrender to that, how to yield to that, how to let him have his way. To stop, keep taking the steering wheel of our lives and to say, okay, God, sorry, sorry. I allow you to have your way in my life. Secondly, God wants us to turn to him. He wants us to turn to him. And you know what? Sometimes if it's all free, free easy going, there's no need. Life is great. And I've got no problems. <laughs> when I've got no problems, I can say hello to Jesus. And when I feel like it, but you see, sometimes it's not just like when you feel like it. Every day will I praise you, for you are God every day, and you are worthy of praise every day. So therefore, we need to learn that discipline. And sometimes we need the help in that, so difficulties do focus our attention. But God wants us to turn to him, especially in the midst of difficulties. And you know what? Sometimes God does things in our lives to test us. Yes, that's true. Let me try you out. 
Is this really in your heart? He wants to test us and refine us because he has a work for us and he wants to take us forward in life. You know, King Hezekiah, another king that you can read about in 2 Chronicles. Here's a king, again, who was good. He was doing the things of God. But it came to a point in his life where he got a bit proud. God wanted to test him for the things that were in his heart to find out. So he sent some difficulties against it. Sometimes God wants to test us out. Where are you really at? Where are you really at? And sometimes you turn the heat up a bit and we find out more truth. What's going on in your heart? Where are you at with God this morning? It's not easy to say, look, I'm trusting in the Lord. No matter what happens, it's not easy. But it's what we've been called to. Have faith in God. That's what we're talking about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. You know, not only does God can test us, God is faithful and loving. He is for us, not against us. That again is true. So although it feels like the pressure and the problems are building up on one side... This is, he has chosen you from before the foundation of the world. He's put his affection upon you and he is for you, not against you. He is the lifter of your head and he is the lover of your soul. He is your strength and he is your shield. And he is the one who wants to come to you to strengthen you and to help you. That's why we need to spend time with him so that we can find some strength and encouragement coming into our lives. God is faithful and loving. And he is for us. And we need to remember that. And you know what? Trusting in God doesn't mean automatic answer. I put my trust in you today, Lord. At 9 o'clock this morning, I prayed. And therefore, by 2 o'clock this afternoon, I'm expecting an answer. See, that goes back to our pride. It goes back to our control. As we were worshipping this morning, that that story of the guys, um, the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came to me. And you know, they came to a difficult situation. The king says, right, guys, you're into the fire because you won't bow down to my altar, to my uh, idol. And they say, God, that's okay, king. You know, they, they were very polite to the king Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. And that, that thought came to me at that moment. You know, they were in the midst of this time frame. Difficulties have come, we're waiting for God's answer, but in the middle we're going to trust you. And so in that middle of trusting, what they said was, King, our God is great, and you can almost you feel it, our God is great, he can save us, which is what we would say, God is going to answer us, but he hasn't yet. And, and, and even if he doesn't, we're trusting in him. That's just a place of saying, I'm, I'm in the place of God, I'm not moving from this place. I'm trusting you. I want you to answer, but you haven't answered yet. And they got thrown into the fiery furnace. But when they got thrown in, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and King Nebuchadnezzar is looking into the hole, into the furnace, he sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and one other. In the midst of fire, God is with us. But we can't always perceive it. But he's with us. In our humanity, 
We've prayed and we're demanding the answers in the next five minutes because that's the people we have become. We've become a society that expects the instant. Instant this, instant that, instant this. Always looking for that quick answer. God just says, trust. Trust. You need to trust in me. Hallelujah. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. That is the God that we're serving. He is able to do more than we can imagine. Reminded me of that story of the, the father with the epileptic son and he brings him to the disciples and the disciples can't cast the demon out and it's all a bit of a mess and Jesus comes along. What's going on here? And the father comes and says, this is my son. He's an epileptic and he's having problems and he gets thrown into the fire and I brought him to your disciples and they're the ones that are supposed to help him and they can't do anything. And the father says to Jesus, if you can help us. If you can help us. And Jesus turns to him and says, if I can, everything. Listen to this. Everything is possible for him who believes. You see, it comes down to us holding ourselves in a place of trust. Now, when I'm looking at myself, looking at the things, William's going. Next week, William's going. That's no help to me at all. William, come back. No, you've gone. You've got a new job. Come back. No. We're facing situations of change and difficulty that I don't like, I don't want, and I hadn't prepared for. What can you do? You have to stand and say, God, you are faithful. We do not understand. We do not have the answers. We can't magic the answers up. We can't demand the answers. Our position is to say, we trust you, Lord. We trust you for what lies ahead. We're asking you to come. I believe that God will help us. I don't know how. I don't know what that looks like. But I believe that God will help us. Because we're going to put our trust in him. So Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit been highlighting things? Yes, the Holy Spirit has been highlighting things. Does it feel comfortable? No, it doesn't feel comfortable. Is this easy? No, it's not easy. But the word of the Lord is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.